Week 17, the Bears have lost five straight against the Packers now. Only one win in the Matt Nagy era. We're going to be going over some of that stuff in just a couple minutes here. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You know us. We're your host, say Kosho Joseph Herf, and he's finally back, Sam Stevenson. You can follow us on Twitter at Usaid Kosho, at Joseph Herf NFL, and at S, no, at Shy Sports Sam. He takes like a month-long hiatus from the podcast, and then I forget his Twitter handle. But make sure you're following Fireside Bears on Twitter. YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Check out our parent company, Empire Sports Media. Be sure to check out everything we do on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and kick the can to Sam here. Kick the can to Sam kind of rhymes. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Maybe I should start dropping a mixtape. But, dude, how was lacrosse practice? How was the season? And are you ready to get back into the swing of the podcast grind? Uh, things were good. Uh, definitely kept me busy. A lot of late nights. Uh, you know, happy to, you know, Good, good fall season overall. Happy it's done, though, because, you know, still got to focus on school and stuff, but I'm happy to be back. Um, I've missed this podcast. I've been listening to it, trying to keep up with it, and everything's been great. You guys have been killing it, but I'm uh, I'm happy to be back. Happy to happy to talk bears. Obviously not the game I want to come back to to talk about, but, uh, you know, this will be this will be nice to kind of shed some some reality on what the 2021 bears are right now uh but it's nice to be back nice to nice to be able to talk bears nice to have you back sam it's finally nice to have a uh little majority over here with a (laughs) certain player i won't say any names but i've been either tied or outnumbered every podcast since you've been gone seems like there's there's been some some chaos since i've been gone you two have been arguing a little bit we've needed you back we definitely need your your level-headedness back I'm tired of the the Jesper Horsehead hate and the Ryan <laughs> Nall hate. Like, come on. Come on. Oh, don't get you said started on Ryan Nall. Holy smokes. My king, Ryan Nall. He's amazing. <laughs> no, but I'm good as well. Uh, it's good to, good to talk football as usual. Um, haven't really talked a lot this week to anybody about the Bears because I just don't like talking about them outside of this podcast because it's been frustrating. So it's going to be nice to finally get, uh, get all my hatred out. I have gone on a few Twitter rants. Uh, called some people out pretty angrily because I've just had enough of stupidity, but it'll be nice to kind of put it all together here on this podcast. It's weird because like Sunday, Monday, I'll be talking about the bears and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even like I tweet very little about the bears. Cause I'm like, well, there's not really much going on aside from like injury report and stuff. Obviously I do the weekly YouTube recaps with our guy, Max as well on Mondays and Thursdays, but guys, let's get right into it. I mean, Matt Nagy's lost, as I mentioned in the opener, five straight to the Packers. Now his lone win came against Green Bay in 2018 to capture that NFC North division title. And then you top the cherry off that Ryan Pace has been here seven years and he's only beaten the Packers twice. So really what it is, is this is we thought the tide was going to turn and the tide can still turn with, the presence of Justin Fields, but we thought Matt Nagy was going to kind of be the guy to come in and get the Bears back to relevancy, especially because the Bears have only beaten the Packers like five times since I want to say Aaron Rodgers took over, which is one of the official statistics anyways. It's been 14 seasons, but Sam, I'm going to go to you on this one first. I mean, give me one word to describe this Bears loss to Green Bay and then explain to us why you chose that word and then Joe will bounce it over to you. Uh, if I had to describe the loss this past weekend against the Packers, uh, I would go with the word uh, impermanent. Uh, what I mean by this is that uh, I, I think specifically to the offense with this word, um, 
I think back to the first drive, things are clicking right away. Run game is looking solid. Uh, I know we're probably going to, we're going to be talking about him later. Khalil Herbert looked good. I liked what I saw out of Justin Fields. Bears score early. Defense gets the Packers off the field. Things are clicking. It was too good to be true. And we saw immediately as soon as the Bears got out of the scripted plays, it was complete disaster. Um, most of the remaining drives for the most part just weren't good. And obviously the defense can't do everything forever. I think they made their mistakes, but overall played the Packers pretty well, as I always think they have. And, you know, I think just, I think that's just been like a common theme. It's just nothing sticks with the bears forever. Nothing remains permanent except for inconsistencies. And, and honestly, the only other permanent thing is just playing lower than they should. Like they beat opponents that aren't awesome. And then they, they get to a key divisional game against the Green Bay team that had injuries on the defense, by the way. Key players out like Jared Alexander, Smith, like this was a defense that the Bears could have taken an opportunity against and you put 14 points against them. Like it, it's one of those things where we've had this conversation before. We've had this conversation before on this podcast before it was even Fireside Bears. Like it, it, it's unacceptable at this point. So if I had to go with a word, I, I looked this one up, but yeah, impermanent. Like it's just... Nothing can can remain forever with this Bears team, and especially on offense. Like it starts off so well sometimes, and it just falls apart at the seams. And there's just no adjustments that are ever truly made. And it's it's just I'm so numb to it at this point. I'm sick of seeing Aaron Rodgers beat this Bears team week in and week out every single year. But the Bears have done nothing to prove that they can go toe to toe with the Packers and win the division since 2018. I love that you brought up the adjustment aspect of it. So to start, my word is routine. So this just feels like a routine at this point. We show a bright spot against the Packers to start off the game. We showed it last season. The second time we faced the Packers, Montgomery broke off a huge run. It looked awesome on offense start the game. I thought we had a shot, and then it went downhill from there. And it just seemed exactly the same. Like you were saying, hot start to the drive. We drove down the field easily, scored with ease, and it was like, okay, this is nice. But I'm in a group chat on Twitter with a bunch of my buddies, and literally, they were talking, they were all blowing up, like, oh, this is making me so excited. I literally responded. I was like, the first drive is scripted. I'm going to want to see the rest of the drives before I get too excited. And I was, not to like do my own little victory lap there, but I was completely right. Like, we saw that Nagy did not make those adjustments. The defense on the other side of the ball did, and the Bears couldn't get anything going. And it just seemed like, like I said, it seems like every single Matt Nagy led offense that couldn't make an adjustment. It's just, it's routine as my word is. And we just, we start off hot. We look pretty good when we come out few good runs, few good passes. I'm pretty sure fields was three of three easy score. It looked like we had a shot and then we only scored one other touchdown after that. So yeah, routine. It's just the same old song and dance. It's pathetic. My word is disappointment it's disappointment not because the bears lost to the packers but it's disappointment because this team seemingly just can't figure it out sam you kind of alluded to it it's like the theme for the bears over the last four years in the matt Nagy era was shouldn't say last four it should really be the last three seasons because i'm not going to count 2018 so i'll say 1920 and now this is developing into this team's identity in 2021 over a three-year period the theme is this is that this team is Good against bad and average teams like the Raiders and Lions, but then just can't get the job done 
against really good teams. And even when we do play the bad and average teams that we're really good against, actually, what tends to happen is there's still too many mistakes to really justify any sort of progress being made. And we'll get to progress in just a moment here. But it's just when you look at the whole thing, it's just like, okay, cool. Go back to the Raiders and Lions games. There were multiple opportunities in that game to go ahead and just absolutely put the nail in the coffin. Well, guess what? The Bears didn't do so. And next thing you know, everyone's on the edge of their seat. Whether you're in the Soldier Field press box in the stands or you're actually at home watching this game and you're like, okay, something going to happen here. Are the Bears good enough to hold on to this lead? And then it's like a team against playing against a good team like the Packers. Okay, you start out great. This is the first time in forever I can remember a Bears team and offense marching down the field and scoring first against Green Bay. Typically, it's just the other way around, whether or not the Bears have the ball first. And then what happens, it's like, okay, you keep it close to about a three-point game at halftime, then it's 14-7, to seven, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's 17-14 with about five minutes to go, and you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe the Bears have a chance here. You're going to have to put the game in the hands of your defense, something you don't want to do because you do want to see the offense be the reason that the Bears are winning. And unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. And so that's just why my word is disappointment because reduce, reuse, recycle at its finest is what the Chicago Bears are against the Green Bay Packers. And if we want to go ahead and we want to talk about progress, right? I think what's going to need to happen is this, is that everyone's kind of questioning, hey, was there any sort of progress made? Did the Bears do enough? You have some people on Twitter and I had three or four tweets on Sunday, by the way, that blew up, got like a couple hundred likes. Okay. But I, some people that were like, oh yeah, you know, Justin Fields made absolutely zero progress. If you look at his next gen stats chart, he was 16 of 27, one touchdown, one interception. Now, some people are going to be like, oh, that's not really progress. Others are going to be like, hey, no, the Bears opened the offense up more. Khalil Herbert had about 19 carries for 97 yards, average 5.1 yards per carry. Did the Bears run the ball a lot? Yeah. But the other difference is that Justin Fields was also passing more. Joe, I'm going to bounce it to you on this one. Did we see any progress from the Bears in this loss to Green Bay? No. We've seen the exact same stuff. Happens every week. You can say Justin Fields has progress, but that's expected. He's a rookie. He's learning as he goes. He's going to show progress every game. If we're talking about the team from a whole, the offense looked exactly the same. The defense looked exactly the same. Again, pass rush looked great. Secondary looked as usual, sometimes suspects, sometimes really good. Broquan always looks good. Offensive line, same thing. Either suspect or really good, depending on the play you're watching. Running game looked good. Passing game was nothing as usual. It's the same. If you look for, if you look at it from an outside view and you look at the entire team, no, we saw no progress at all. It's the exact same team. If you zone in on certain players, obviously certain players progress, certain players look the same, but overall it's it's the same offense we're seeing. I mean, I'll just read the stats off to you. 32nd in yards per game, 32nd in yards per play, 32nd in passing yards per game, um, and 30th overall in points per game. The Bears are averaging 16.3 points per game. This is an offense that is taking neither a step forward. And I tweeted it on Sunday. Every time the Bears take a step forward, they take two steps back. And I definitely did notice some positive qualities in fields. I really liked his drive in the fourth quarter when the Bears scored again. I think he's really comfortable in the pocket. I really liked what the Bears had scripted there. But there were also moments where the he would drop back. The entire field would be open. Guys wouldn't be even out of routes yet. The pass rush would come in. The offensive line wouldn't be able to block long enough. And no one was in the middle. And, and it just was so incredibly frustrating because like 
when you have an offensive line that's pass protection isn't great. I, I will credit the offensive line. I think the run, the run scheme has worked. I think that has been a big part of how Khalil Herbert has looked. But when you have moments where you're good pocket passing quarterback, Fields was good in the pocket at Ohio State, can't even sit there comfortably enough where he can actually make a play and you have nobody cutting into the middle of the zone, no one cutting into the middle of the field, no one's broken out of the routes yet, and he's getting sacked and sacked. And there were definitely a few times where I'm like, Fields has to get rid of the ball there. He's holding on to the ball too long, and he's taking unnecessary sacks. But sometimes he doesn't even have a chance. I, I can't even add anything else on to Joe's point here. Like, absolutely not. There has been no progress overall. I think the defense has always looked solid. I think there's always been those moments, especially against the Packers. I mean, you can't stop Aaron Rodgers forever, especially when the offense can't respond. Had the Bears had scored a little bit more, I think this could have been a more you know a closer game. I think the defense would have had a little bit more life in them. But ultimately, when you have to play Aaron Rodgers that long in a football game, you can't stop him forever. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, and that offense is good. Devontae Adams is probably one of the best receivers in the league. Aaron Jones is a solid running back. They got weapons and the weapons were successful this game. And, you know, I don't really blame the Bears defense a lot. There are definitely mistakes made, but when the offense can't respond and can't score points and can't stay on the field, what more can you do on defense? Um, one thing that I will th- say, um, I think our special teams progressed a little bit more. Um, Jakeem Grant is awesome. He is really, really fun to watch. But the fact that I have to even mention special teams should just go to show you where we are in terms of offense. But I think there is some progression there. I think the bears are returning kicks a lot better and better field placement can help the offense. So that is one positive I saw, but long story short. No, I don't think there's been a lot of progression. I'm going to add one more thing quick. Cause I loved you brought up those stats. Um, the crazy thing is like they're, they're rushing offense. Like you're saying, they're pretty good. They're seventh in the NFL in rush yards per game. Even with that and their last passing yards, they're still last in total yards. They just, even just, okay, so last total, yard, total yards, total passing yards, that's bad. They're averaging 117 passing yards per game. 117 in the modern-day NFL. That's, like, I want to know when the last time somebody averaged 100 yards of passing in in, a, in even, like, a five-game span. Like, I don't, I can't think of a single time I've ever seen a Bears offense be this bad. And, Again, their rushing is good. Like they're averaging more rushing yards a game than they're averaging passing yards. What is this like 1980s? We have Walter Payton in the backfield again. Like I don't understand how anybody can defend Matt Nagy and his offense when you're, it doesn't matter who's back there at quarterback. I don't care if you're averaging 117 yards of passing offense when there are quarterbacks out there playing right now, like Geno Smith. Or Zach Wilson, who looks even more raw and probably worse than Justin Fields has. There are a ton of worse quarterbacks playing right now that are doing way better with their even worse team. Jared Goff and the Lions. They literally have a Ross St. Brown as their number one wide receiver. who's was a fourth-round rookie. And the rest of the wide receivers are all hurt like Quintez Cephas and Tyrell Williams. Khalif Raymond's their number two wide receiver. And they are averaging more yards of offense than this Bears team. It's unacceptable. Somebody needs to be held accountable. And we all know it's Matt Nagy, but they need to do something. I mean, a Davis Mills-led Texans offense is oh my gosh, yards, and Davis Mills is way more of a project player than Justin Fields is. And, and, and I mean, it, you said it perfectly. I don't even need anything else. I just wanted to throw another team with a bad offensive situation and arguably a worse rookie quarterback that's offense is being more efficient and getting more passing yards than the Chicago Bears.
and they have no running game. They have a 30-year-old Mark Ingram as their starting running back and a washed David Johnson as their number two change of pace running back. It changes from a 4-8-40 to a 4-7-5-40. Like, it's embarrassing. It's so bad. They haven't, that team has no weapons, and they're doing better. I just I don't, I don't understand at all. Well, you guys are right. It certainly is embarrassing. Another fun fact about all those numbers you just rattled off, Sam, is that the Bears have gotten worse every single year of the Matt Nagy era. And it's like we were here in 2019 where I felt like a lot of Bears fans were so caught up in the well, the re- yeah, 2019 was kind of when the debate started in terms of is it Nagy, is it Trubisky, who's the real issue at fault here? And that debate lingered into 2020 only until Nick Foles kind of arrived in town. And then it was almost like, okay, who really is it? Is it Nagy? Is it Trubisky? Is it Foles? And I'm not going to sit here and make this into an entire rant about Matt Nagy. But when you go back to 2019, I mean, there were a couple teams that year. Take the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, even teams that were going to be at the bottom of the barrel in the 2020 NFL draft and just be picking very high up in the first round. Everyone kind of thought that the bears were in that same category. The bears were in the same offensive category as a lot of those teams that had top five picks. Now, if you don't remember the bears actually ended up with the 19th overall pick in the 2020 draft, which ended up going to the Raiders and the Khalil Mack trade. But the reason I bring it up is because it's like, it's hard to get worse, right? We thought last year was bad with all the inconsistencies. And then this year they kind of sold us on the premise of, Hey, Andy's our starter. He's confident in this offense. And I'll say this much. Okay. In the what one and a half games that Andy Dalton started, let's not lie. He looked better than Mitch Trubisky as well as Nick Foles. But Andy Dalton's a complete afterthought. When you look at this game on Sunday, okay, overall, you guys are right. There was no progress. But it's also difficult to judge what the Bears are going to look like the rest of 2021, but also moving forward because this team still features a makeshift offensive line. Okay, when you look at the two tackles and Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum, they're both rookies. I mean, we have no idea when those guys are coming back. Larry Borum seemingly has the longest recovery time like five weeks now for a concussion than I've ever anyone seen. And trust me, I know people that have been concussed we all have, and it's been like a week long recovery time, nothing like super serious. And then you'll get Tevin Jenkins. Who's got the back surgeries. That's forcing Jason Peters, Jermaine Ifedi and Elijah Wilkinson to slide in that left tackle and then right tackle. And the bears are basically playing with a makeshift offensive line. You kick this thing into the interior. What do you have? James Daniels, Cody white here have looked really good. Hey, Sam Mustafer was a player that I was high on going into the season. So I thought, Mustafer showcased enough potential to warrant kind of being the next oil and crews for this team, not in terms of talent, but just in terms of being the solid presence for the next 10, 11, 12 years that this team had really lacked. Well, I think that the thing with Sam is that he's not necessarily the greatest athlete in the world, but he's also not the worst either. He's going to be a player that's going to win with instincts as well as really good technique. And right now, one of the things with the instincts is that his communication seems to be off and the bears need to go back to this. Maybe you make a change in Ben Sam must have kick Cody white here back to center. James Daniels at left guard, go with Alex bars at right guard. Cause Alex bars is right now. One of the most underrated depth pieces for an offensive line in the NFL. And then you'll get the wide receiver room. I don't know why Allen Robinson had two surefire touchdowns, but then just stop running. I mean, this guy's bag is not worth $20 million at this point. Darnell Mooney's a guy that hasn't gotten the ball enough, but the, 
think the ceiling for Darnell Mooney is so high, you almost have to give him a pass for any mistake that he makes simply because you know for a fact what's going to happen is Mooney and Fields are going to continue to grow together. I mean, they're literally at each other's houses working together. You kick it to the backfield. Hey, we said running back was going to be the strongest positional group on this roster, and that's exactly what it's been. When we talked about the running back room, there was progress that was made there. And why was there progress? Simply because everyone was so worried. No more David Montgomery. What are the Bears going to do? Well, Kalu Herbert, Damian Williams showed that they're not going to miss a beat and that this running game is going to keep on running and running and running. Okay. Khalil Herbert's a much better fit than Damian Williams for this offense as a guy who's a really hard instinctive runner displays really good vision is just thickly built in the sense that he's got really good contact balance too. kick it over to the tight end position. Hey, Cole Clement got more involved in this game. If you look at some of the passing concepts in the sense that the bears weren't just scheming five to seven to eight yard routes for him in the flat off play action. They were saying, Hey Cole, we want you to use your size and whatever limited athleticism you have to be a big body target down the seam. And Justin hit Cole a couple times down the seam on that final drive. I think it was once or twice for about 20 yards. So when we talk about progress in this game, right, there was progress from individual players. There wasn't really progress from the offensive unit as a whole. And again, it's great to talk about individual, but this is a team sport. This team needs to start showing progress on offense each week. And then the last thing here, everyone's focused on individual progress from Justin Fields, which by the way, in 2021 is the most important individual progress for the Bears. If you look at Fields this game, one of the things that he proved is that he could go ahead and he could be the kind of player that is going to allow you to have a pass first offensive philosophy. That first drive he came out was three for three. The last time he came out on a drive and was three for three was week three or four against the Lions at Soldier Field, where it was pretty much his first career home start. And so Justin showing, and then you fast forward all the way to that second to last drive where the Bears scored the touchdown. Even in that, I mean, Justin had completions to Mooney, Robinson, and Komet, and the two for Komet and Robinson were about 20 yards each on back-to-back plays. And so the point is, is that the last two weeks, Fields is thrown for 17 or 17 times and then 20 times. This time he threw for 27 attempts. And you certainly saw, okay, he's more and more just showing that he can trust the coaching staff and the coaching staff can trust him to get the job done. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so I was... While you were talking, I did a little research on, <laughs> on some quarterbacks that had more passing yards in their career on a per game average than the bears currently do. One of the ones that I came across that I was almost laughing at was their, um, their kicker slash quarterback from 1948 to 1951. Johnny Lujak averaged more passing yards per game in his career than or per game. Yeah. Per game in his, over his career, over his three year career in Chicago. than the bears currently are. The list goes on with other backup quarterbacks because it includes their like backup stats as well. Like Chase Daniel has a career. Sid Luckman, the 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 goat quarterback for the Bears, is only one yard short of a per game average. Other guys like Steve Walsh, Cordell Stewart, Brian Greasy, Jim Harbaugh, Cade McNown, all those guys in the '90s and early 2000s have more passing yards per game as backup slash starters in the entire Bears passing offense does on a per-game basis. thought I'd just bring that up since I was, you know, doing that little research while all you said was talking. Yeah, I mean, that that just is is poetic. Um, 
I, I think the only thing that I'll really add is I, I definitely think Fields wasn't like a superstar. He still continues to make, you know, rookie growing mistakes. I, I didn't love the almost second interception decision. Um, I do definitely think he needs to make some better decisions when pressured. Sometimes he is trying to look for something and he looks almost a little indecisive and he ends up taking unnecessary sacks. But I also think too, we bring up the point of like the makeshift offensive line. Like this was not the group the bears thought they were going to be trotting out in week one when they were building this offensive line. And ultimately like you're hoping that guys like Larry Borum and or Tevin Jenkins can come back soon and can be the guys that you're hoping they'll be. But you know, I I'm, I'm definitely frustrated with the lack of separation from a lot of receivers. I'm happy with the progress from guys like Cole Komet, who I've been a little critical of this year. I haven't seen great things from his second year so far, but I think this past weekend was a positive sign, but ultimately individual assessments, like you said, said like, it doesn't mean much in terms of the team outlook as a whole. This is a three and three bears team. That's entering the very, very tough part of this six game span before their bye week. I mean, the next few weeks are going to be some very, very tough matchups for both the offense and the defense. And ultimately, if the Bears can't figure out a way to change their identity, like they are going to lose a lot of football games this year. And again, I know ultimately the Bears are not a Super Bowl caliber team, but I don't want to watch my team lose a lot of football games. So unless some changes happen and we'll go into our, our game preview for the next game against the Bucs, but unless some changes can happen on offense and some real progress can be made, this is going to be a tough, tough 21, 2021 season. Yeah, for sure. And I like that you bring up the point, like, like you guys are both saying about the offensive line and how, again, we didn't, we didn't plan on having Jason Peters come be the starter for left tackle. We didn't plan on Elijah Wilkinson being the starting right tackle this game. Basically, I mean, we didn't, obviously we didn't plan on Larry Borman to show the progress he's showing either, but heading into the season, Elijah Wilkins, Wilkinson seemed like the odd man out with Jermaine Ifedi, Larry Borum, Jason Peters, and uh, Tevin Jenkins, but then with Jenkins' injury, Borm's injury, Wilkinson here, now he's starting, basically, as our fifth option at offensive tackle. So, again, offensive line didn't look horrible, especially in the run game, but yeah, that passing game is tough, and that's kind of why we're not seeing a lot from our tight ends, as the max protect and everything, but and as you guys were saying, too, I just want to talk about that whole field. It's like, again, interception wasn't his fault the first one. Second one was a horrible, or second almost interception. Horrible choice, and again, agreed, he needs to learn how to get rid of the ball and that is a very very common rookie mistake people people are acting like that it's like not normal to do that every quarterback wants to play hero ball they're used to it in college they're used to being the star they're used to making these crazy plays out of the out of the backfield like johnny manzel used to do at texas a&m or even justin fields was doing at ohio state so he's just trying to recreate that and he's just trying he's slowly figuring out that these defensive linemen and outside linebackers and guys blitzing in are way faster and way more athletic than the guys he was facing against like Rutgers or schools like that. Those are some excellent points. Listen, Matt Nagy's actually been the Bears head coach for four seasons now, as generic as that sounds. But here's the big fact that a lot of people are seriously overlooking is that the Bears are now through the first six games of the season, three and three for the third time in four years in the Matt Nagy area. The lone exception was the 2020 season where the Bears started off five and one through the first six games, only to lose six straight and then basically limp their way into the playoffs. But Sunday was the final straw because really – this whole argument, can Matt Nagy be a good head coach 
or is Matt Nagy a good head coach? That whole argument, I think Sunday is the reason that it's absolutely dead now. When you go back and you look at the Bears, I mean, everyone was all of a sudden like, okay, Matt Nagy can still be a good head coach. He just has to give up play calling. Well, side note, if you thought that, you were completely overlooking all the other issues that existed with this team. Sam, I'm going to go ahead and go to you on this one. Is Matt Nagy a good head coach? Is that argument completely dead? And should we just throw it out the window and never hear about it again? I mean, I don't know how you can argue for it. Like, I, I think at this point, like, I understand. I don't hate Matt Nagy as a person. I think what he's tried to build in terms of the culture of the Bears was positive. Like I liked the things like club dub. I liked the turnover bucket this year. Like in terms of bringing about some sort of culture, like I, I can't, I can't hate the guy as a person, but as a head coach, he's just not it. And ultimately I, you can't blame everything on Nagy, but you can blame a lot on Nagy at this point. And he has beaten the Packers once since taking over that is the team that the bears have to beat to win the nfc north and prove that they're a legitimate team this year had this game been 21 to 24 or 27 to 24 or or whatever if it had been a closer game or if this has been a higher scoring game or whatever the case may be i think you're looking at a little bit of a different argument here because it's like all right at least the team is is moving forward but they had it they had that he was brought in to change the offense in this team, we had just let go of John Fox, a defensive-minded coach. We were hoping to bring in this, this branch from the Andy Reid tree. And the offense has been slowly getting worse and worse to the point that they are dead last in almost every single major category in terms of offense in the NFL. Overall, I, I just I don't think there's an argument that he's a good head coach. I, I think he's below mediocre at best. And, and I don't think he will be the first head coach fired. I don't think he's going to get fired this year unless the Bears go 3-14, and 14, which is not the weirdest thing in the world and not the craziest take at this point. But I don't think he's going to head coach. I think he's mediocre at best. I wouldn't even say he's mediocre. I think that's a compliment, honestly, to him. I think he's a bottom five head coach right now in the NFL. With offensive coordinators, you can say that would step in and immediately be, be better than him. I don't think he should be a head coach again for a long time. I think he, again, I think he has the potential, like you were saying. He can bring a good culture about. I mean, he brought in, as soon as he came in in 2018, he brought those fun stuff that we were seeing. The Bears were fun in 2018. That was the most fun I've had as a Bears fan in years. Even the year they made the NFC Championship and ended up losing to the Packers. This team was more fun. The team that the, the team that went to the Super Bowl and lost in the Super Bowl. This team was that team was still more fun in 2018 because they had a fun offense with a young quarterback. They had a culture. They had an energetic young head coach and an energetic young GM, and it, it looked like it was perfect. Like he seemed like the guy that we wanted and we were begging for. He, he was putting together an offense. He was putting together a team, putting all those pieces together, and he got figured out. And that's. And he hasn't adjusted. And that's what's separating him from every single coach in the NFL. Every head coach can adjust that at least can keep their job. Even the coaches that can't keep their job, they still make an attempt to adjust. It seems like Nagy just continues to come out and just rerun the tape, run the play over again, and just continues to run it until it works. And and go, see, see, it worked. I I told you it's going to work. It's just so frustrating. I, I don't think he's a good head coach. The argument should be dead. He should be gone. I, like I said, he has the potential. He needs more work, and he 
could be a head coach maybe years down the line if he learns. I don't. I think after all these years, if he has not learned that he needs to make adjustments, he'll never learn. But again, I could easily be proven wrong. I really like the point that you brought up with how he has been figured out and other coaches have been adjusted. I think a perfect example is Sean McVay. I think everyone figured out Sean McVay quickly, and I've never seen a coach change their entire philosophy and their entire scheme. Now, did Sean McVay basically go to the Rams and say, you need to bring my guy this year at quarterback? Yes. Did the Rams trade a load of draft capital for Matthew Stafford? Yes, but it's working. And the Rams look like contenders right now. And that obviously I understand the situation's a little bit different, but Sean McVay was the young energetic head coach who brought culture and brought a Jared Goff led offense to the Super Bowl. teams figured them out and they started to struggle. And what did he do? He made adjustments. The roster got changed properly. He knew how to utilize his guys and the Rams look like Super Bowl contenders. There's a probably another couple examples that you could bring up. Belichick's the great one. Belichick has changed his scheme probably more times than I've been alive in terms of years. I, I mean, he, he, the things that he was able to do with Tom Brady is will probably never be replicated again in the NFL. And, and it's like Nagy, it, it, it's like every time he does one thing good, it, it's perfect. He's like a kid trying to show off like to his parents, like, look what I did. Look what I did. When in reality, like those are things that all head coaches should be able to do. They should always be able to adjust and always be able to realize Hey, this isn't working. We need to go back to the drawing board. And it's just, it hasn't happened. And he, as soon as he got figured out, it's like everything's gone downhill. He, he is not the man that he was in 2018. And ultimately I don't think he's an NFL head coach. He, I do definitely agree. I think he can definitely be a head coach again, but not for what the Chicago bears need right now. I like that you bring up Sean McVay. I'm just gonna add this quickly because you can go down the list of good NFL coaches to great NFL coaches that all have changed their scheme. Bruce Arians was more of a spread offensive guy. He completely switched it to what would work for Tom Brady. You can go with, um, with Andy Reed. He was not a spread guy at all. He is catering that offense. Patrick Mahomes and has made Mahomes look elite because of the way he catered that offense. You can say the most perfect one of example. I can think of Jim Harbaugh or John, sorry, John Harbaugh with the Ravens. He is Lamar Jack. He goes from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Their offense takes a step forward because he brings in an offensive minded coach that will work with him and Greg Roman and changes the scheme completely, goes a complete 180, and their offense becomes elite and they become meaty contenders because he wants to be the best coach he can be. He doesn't run the offense. He takes a step back and he lets Roman run the offense because it's what works for Lamar Jackson. Good to great coaches. I've missed it a million times. Good to great coaches adjust their scheme to the talents around them, and Matt Nagy does not do that. Okay, so Matt made an interesting comment as I was sitting in that post-game presser on Sunday. He's just like, hey, listen, teams have started to figure out what we're doing, so the next step for us is basically adapting. So nice job. You figured that out. But also the adapting part that Matt Nagy needs to really allude to there is basically saying, hey, how are we going to adapt, right? Why are we going to adapt? Because we need to figure out the hows and whys of all this. So how are we going to adapt? Well, you're going to adapt by getting away from the running game just a tad bit more each week and then adapting to Justin Fields' skill set and then catering to his skill set and ensuring that he's able to throw the ball more in a pass-first league. But look, Matt Nagy's not a good NFL head coach. And 
here's why i'll simply explain this because everyone thought the solutions were going to be just give up play calling things will be okay well you know what sunday proved to me sunday proved that matt Nagy can't game plan that matt Nagy can't get the bears ready to execute matt Nagy seemingly is not on the same page with the offensive or defensive coaching staff about what needs to be done we talked about Matt Nagy being a game manager. He didn't manage the game properly. When you are calling a timeout fresh out of a penalty or a timeout to basically go ahead and be able to decide whether or not you want to challenge a spot of a football, that's bad game management right there. That's just bad situational judgment play calling. So Sunday showed that Nagy really can't even be a good head coach. And that when it comes to managing the team and game, it's just not something that he's good at. I mean, you look at that six game streak or the six game losing streak last year, coupled with a three game winning streak. I mean, the three game winning streak was on the heels of an offensive explosion because Bill Lazor was calling plays. But then the other side of the argument was also this is that the bears were playing some really, weak teams and it just was so happened that those teams were bad enough to the point where the bears were legitimately quote-unquote good to overcome those teams but we've seen this right matt aggie just isn't getting the job done and now i know we're sitting here week six is over we're going into week seven which is pretty much here on thursday morning for thursday night football which is browns broncos i believe gonna make for an entertaining game by the way but we have to start talking now about, I think, the possibility of, hey, is Matt Nagy legitimately on the hot seat? Is Ryan Pace on the hot seat or who's on the hot seat? And I think right now it's very clear that Matt's more on the hot seat than Ryan Pace is because Ryan Pace has had his fair share of hits and misses. He's brought in guys like Khalil Herbert and Travis Gibson and Darnell Mooney and Jordan Howard and Eddie Jackson and Tariq Cohen swung big for Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, Mitch Trubisky. So ultimately I think that Matt's more on the hot seat than people are willing to understand and admit right now. The seat may not be extremely hot, but it's certainly starting to warm up. But speaking of guys like Khalil Herbert, Joe, I'm going to go to you Sixth round pick. A lot of people had him pegged as a third or fourth round pick. So many people were surprised that Herbert slipped all the way to round six coming out of Virginia tech, especially given the explosive big play ability that he flashed, which translates very well from college to the NFL is Khalil Herbert going to be a breakout star this year for the bears. I think it's hard to say that he'll be a breakout star just due to the fact that we already have a start running back in David Montgomery. I think that he's going to break out in terms of showing his potential to be a great starting running back in the NFL one day. I think that this past game showed that he should be the number two back and it should not be Damian Williams. I think Damian Williams should strictly be like the basically third down pass catching, pass blocking back. Because Khalil Herbert played great, yes, but he did struggle in pass blocking. And his ability to catch passes as well. He had a drop, I believe. So would like to have Dame Williams in that role. So I hope these next few weeks with Montgomery out that Herbert will be the main guy taking the majority of the carries with Williams kind of coming in to give him a breather and to be the third down guy. I, I think he really showed his ability. I mean, we us Bears fans that study the film, follow the Bears closely, all kind of saw us coming from Herbert. We all, we all were very excited about him. Just the NFL kind of got to finally see what we've been kind of preaching, we've been saying, and we've been seeing from his college tape translating to the NFL. So I think, honestly, the main thing that Herbert shows, in my opinion, is that never pay running backs. Like, as, as horrible as that is, like, we just got a guy who just ran for, who just had 110 total yards of offense, passing or receiving and catch, receiving and running 
And he was a sixth round pick and it was his first ever career start. Like it's as horrible as it is, as much as I love Dave Montgomery, as much as I love those guys who did get extended, like Derrick Henry, Chris McCaffrey. Some of those guys are exceptions like Derrick Henry. That dude is not, he's not human. He doesn't count, but McCaffrey is a great example of why you don't extend those running backs long-term. Herbert is the example of why you shouldn't as well. Like as much as I love Montgomery, we really might not be bringing him back just for the sole reason that Herbert has looked as good as he has already. Yeah, I, I actually was going to tweet that out, but I didn't want to trigger people. So I kept those thoughts to myself. Uh, and I think the conversation of, of David Montgomery will be a, a conversation for another day, um, ultimately. But going back to Khalil Herbert, I mean, again, I think we alluded to it perfectly. If you had been studying the tape and you knew who Herbert was when he got drafted and stuff and you understood what he could do. I mean, the guy can play football. He plays well. He runs hard. He has great vision. He attacks the hole. I definitely voiced my concerns about his pass catching and pass blocking abilities. He wasn't much of a pass catcher in college. And I think he literally had maybe two receptions in this game for like 14 yards. And that is what's nice about Damian Williams is that he does bring that element and brings a little bit of balance. Um, I know the Bears, I think, utilized a little bit of uh, Joe's boy, Artavius Pierce, this weekend, which was great. Um, but I liked what I saw out of Herbert a lot. I definitely think he was a positive from this game. Um, and I think ultimately when Montgomery's back, I would like to have us have a, uh, a three running back uh, committee. Um, I think that would be interesting to see. But I do definitely think Herbert has taken the steps to prove that he's running back to let's see how he does against a stronger run defense, um, which Tampa Bay does have um, again versus the Packers run defense. But uh, overall, I was really, really happy about it. And uh, you know, definitely a, a soul, you know, one of the few soul positives from a pretty, pretty miserable offense performance. Look, I do think Khalil Herbert can be a breakout star for the Bears. I mean, yeah, David Montgomery's getting older. Dave Montgomery's also run behind a really porous offensive line his first two seasons in the NFL. And you have to wonder, all those hits that he was taking in the backfield, has all that legitimately caught up to him? But Herbert showcased both in week three, I'm sorry, week four as well. No, week five and week six. This is why I can be a really good player. You saw a player that was a hard runner, great contact balance, really good patience and excellent vision too. And I think patience and vision are two things that are needed. Now, Kula Herbert certainly has the ability. Is he a blazer? No, he's not. He's not going to burn you with his speed, but he's got just enough burst in him to warrant being an extra step or two ahead of you when he does get into the open field. Also, I really like the way that Khalil Herbert operates both as a north-south runner as well as going horizontally. Sam, you brought up the fact of his receiving skills. I mean, yeah, his receiving skills, are they great? No. Does he need to work on them? Absolutely. Is even a red flag of his coming out of Virginia Tech? But I also think that if you look at the Bears' game plan in this game, you really saw that the they weren't necessarily running a horizontal pass offense that was going from side to side. They were running more of a vertical passing game because they wanted to continue to keep the Packers secondary on its heels. So Khalil's going to get his time when it comes to the passing game in terms of screens and flats and, you know, mismatches against linebackers. But I really thought that he played a more solid game than a lot of people are really willing to admit. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I he has that. I love that you brought up his perfect blend of vision of all everything that he has in terms of a runner. He has that big playability where he can easily hit a hole and he's gone. Like, trust me, I'm probably the biggest Montgomery fan, one of the biggest Montgomery fans 
on as a Bears fan base, but he doesn't have that ability. He gets through that hole and he gets caught by safeties. Herbert's not going to get caught. Like when he hits that hole and he's gone, he's gone. Like he's got that, he's got that enormous size. Like he's a little shorter, but he is absolutely huge. He's got enormous legs. He's got a big upper body. He's over 200 pounds. Like, yeah, he's maybe a tiny bit taller than Tariq Cohen, but he's absolutely just built. Like he is the perfect blend of, He's got that the the little like uh little speed and elusiveness of Tree Cone, but he's also got that power and size of David Montgomery. He's a perfect blend that is the reason, like I've said before, he makes Damian Williams expendable. He's once once Tree Cohen's back, it's gonna be a three man backfield of Montgomery, uh Kolo Herbert and Tree Cohen. Yeah, that's if Tree Cohen comes back. I I mean, has there been any update in that regard? I think this is the first week that he can technically be back. And I don't think you trade a six-round pick for a guy like Grant from the Dolphins thinking that Cohen's going to be back anytime soon. But conspiracy theories aside, um, I think originally I really liked Herbert's value as a special team player. I I mentioned this before, but when the Bears drafted guys like Herbert and Newsom, you were bringing guys in who were good in special teams in college, but also had long-term potential and upside with the roster. Um, whenever you're drafting guys like that in day three, you're always looking for pieces that can go behind established positional groups. And I think ultimately Herbert's progression and, and status to starting running back is kind of a blessing in disguise. I am excited to see what the offense can do when they have all their running backs back. I am hopeful that Cohen will be back at some point, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get hung up on that. I think the running back room of Williams, uh, Herbert, and Montgomery will be fun to watch. Ultimately, though, it's going to be something where the Bears can't run the ball forever. So how much can they get these guys involved in the passing game? I know Williams is good in the passing game. I think Montgomery's solid. But how much more can Herbert learn and continue to grow as he becomes more and more of a starting caliber running back? And a lot of that is going to have to do with becoming more of a dual threat running back. Which I think he certainly will because his potential's off the charts. Last point I'm going to make here about Khalil Herbert is I lean back in my chair and just have my mic in my lap because I'm so incredibly tired. I don't know why it is, but it's like I get on this podcast every single week and then listen to you two talk absolutely just makes me fall asleep. But this is just the perfect. Oh! Wow. Wow. This is the perfect dynamic that just like keeps this podcast going. Funny thing enough, oh, or no. funny enough, I don't fall asleep when I'm talking to Maxi. So, you know, that's just Maxi is a tough guy. For a month and I'm getting slandered? Unbelievable. Whatever. Wait, say, say slandered your- just for Horstead over the your- last two weeks. So we're good. Say your but. But anyways, the point is, is that when we talk about explosive plays, it's not just the passing game, okay? It's also the running game. And the Bears really haven't had very many explosive plays in general over the last couple of years, but they certainly haven't had them from the running game. I mean, David Montgomery's longest career rush is 80 yards, okay? That's cool and all, but he's not really a home run hitter, right? What Khalil Herbert is this? He had the 25-yard run in on the Bears' like second possession of the first quarter, which is also the one that I think Justin Fields threw the quote-unquote interception on because the refs were biased towards the Packers and just absolutely missed that first down. Or the neutral zone infraction, which also should have been called an off sides okay but the point is is that Khalil Herbert has that home run ability and the ability to be an explosive spark whenever now getting away from Khalil Herbert it's my favorite time of the week because these takes have been absolutely freezing cold in conjunction with the Chicago weather Joe give me a hot take for this week and warm this place up man come on let's do this 
Yeah, so I've always tried to kind of like do a little research beforehand, like get an idea of like some sort of stat that could be a first time thing. Um, this one, I'm just like blindly throwing a number out there, but I, I was so I was about to blind throw a number out. And I just looked it up to see how many times it's actually happened. Realized it never happened. So my hot take is going to be that Cole Komet gets his first career game of over 50 receiving yards. So he has never had a single game in his career where he's had over 50 receiving yards. Um, on top of that, he is very needed. Again, the Tampa Bay defense, they're unbelievable stopping the run. Got a solid pass rush. I think Komet showing the progress against the Packers is good since uh, I know most of the times Tampa Bay, if they're getting beaten anywhere, it's normally at the tight end position. The tight ends normally have kind of not least scorched them, but I know in fantasy purposes, they've allowed the, I believe it's, I believe they're 24th against stopping tight ends. So they're down there for bottom 10 teams and stopping tight ends. Um, I think that Komet has the shot. Again, like I said, he took a nice step forward against Green Bay. Maybe we get something out of our offense. It's, it's so hard to make a hot take based on our offense, knowing that Matt Nagy could easily with a snap of his fingers ruin every one of my takes like he has for the past three weeks, but I'm going to keep it consistent. I'll go with the offense again and Cole Komet over 50 yards. Uh, that is hot, hot take. Um, I hope it's right. I definitely think this would be a, a huge game for him to step up and, and take a big step forward. And uh, I hope you're right. Maybe maybe me being back will bring some positive juice. It better. I mean, he had, he had 49 yards last week. That was like the closest he's ever been. So I was like, hey, maybe take a step forward from the week before. And maybe Matt Nagy actually learned something for once. So, again, I don't know why I choose to ride on Matt Nagy on my hot takes, but it, it never seems to work. So if it doesn't work again, I'm going with defense next week. So yeah, you've been like what one for three so far. Um, totally kind of opposite of the Bears. We got to get you back to 500. No, listen, I like Cole Komet. He's still really growing. Has he been what a lot of people expected him to be? No, he's basically like a Zach Ertz light. I also think that the issue with the Bears is this: that their game plans are so catered on the offensive side of the ball to running the football, but then also getting the damn ball to the wide receivers because Matt Nagy seemingly in his game plan just wants those big plays, which then forces the offensive coordinator and and play caller, by the way, Bill Lazor, to have to kind of cater his play calling and game plan to whatever Matt Nagy's game plan might be. But hey, Cole Komet, I think, still has tons of potential. Just Even if you start using him as a receiver that is a tight end who's basically getting those short and intermediate routes. Hey, he still has enough to tackle and, you know, just completely truck over a lot of these bigger guys. Cause he is a, one of the bigger tight ends in the NFL in terms of his size, six, five, six, six, about two fifty. He's up there with players like George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Hunter Henry, John Smith. Now the other half of the issue though, is that Cole Komet is not the elite athlete or just doesn't have the elite speed that any of those guys do, but great hot sake, Joe. Sam, listen, we're going to wrap this thing up here in just about 10 to 15 more minutes, but let's go. Bears Bucks are playing. The Bears beat the Bucks last year, 2019 at Soldier Field in what was considered Nick Foles' first win in a Bears uniform. And Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown in that game, but this time it's Bears Bucks Week Seven, three twenty-five Central Time on Sunday. Got the CBS call of Jim Nance, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson. I know that because I got an email about who's going to be commentating on the game. But yo, early thoughts on Bears Bucks is the Bears take on the Super Bowl champs here. But according to who you talk to, the Bears are the default Super Bowl champs from last year because they ended up beating the Bucks. 
uh, fellas, this could be an ass kicking. Um, <laughs> the Bucks are in full stride right now. Their team looks solid. The Bears got a lot of stuff going on with the injury report right now. Robert Quinn just put on the COVID list. No timetable for his return. Deion Bush set under IR. The Bears are bringing up Taze Tabor to take up his place. Probably going to be a couple other guys that will be questionable. Knowing the Bears, Jimmy Graham will have a veteran day. He's had more veteran off days than he's had receptions this year, but that's besides the point. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a tough one. This is a tough game to bounce back from after a loss to the Packers. This is a good, good Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Tom Brady is playing well. I do think that their secondary is a little bit suspect. They are still missing key players like Gronk and like Antoine Winfield Jr., who I still am going to say should have been a Chicago Bear. Um, but that's the size of point. That's just me being salty about that. Um, but I don't think we can ride on them having injuries because a the Bears are going to have plenty of their own, and b the Bears never take advantage of teams that have injured riddled rosters. So I'm going to be honest, this, this could be a butt whooping for the Bears this weekend. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. I mean, this wide receiver core versus our suspect secondary is just the perfect, the perfect storm, the perfect disaster. It's going to be very interesting to see um, either to see Duke Shelley slash um, can't remember who the other slot. I think I can't remember Xavier Crawford, I think was our slot corner last game. Seeing one of them try and cover Antonio Brown slash Chris Godwin in the slot, that should just be that should just be very very bad. So, yeah, it could be it could come out of hand. This game could get out of hand very quickly. It might be over at halftime again when the Bears are down a touchdown. It feels like they're down forty. So, it's gonna feel like that from the from the get go. I feel like it'll I think it'll be very similar to the Rams game week one. Uh, I still have faith in this defense to remain solid to start the game, but. Eventually, the offense is just going to give them no sort of hope, and they're just—it's going to be the usual. The defense is going to keep bending, not breaking, bending, not breaking, and then finally it's going to break, and they're going to let it touch on every every drive. So, yeah, not a lot, of, not a lot of hope for this game. No, Joe, I totally look. I totally understand where you're coming from. The big thing worth noting that not enough people are talking about is that when you look at this. Bucks offense. Everyone thought Mike Evans was going to be the primary receiver. That's actually really quickly become Antonio Brown this year. And so the point is, you're just going to be playing chess every single time because it's like it's a lose lose situation for the Bears. If you key in on Antonio Brown, well, hey, guess what? You're leaving Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cam Brait, as well as Leonard Fournette and Rob Gronkowski open on any passing down. If you go ahead and you key in on Godwin and Evans, well, then all those other guys that I just mentioned are open. And then, not to mention, I mean, these matchups are roughly three to four weeks apart. But then the added fact is that the Bucs are Super Bowl champs with Tom Brady. Now, last year in week four, there's still a lot of uncertainty of, hey, would the Bucs send this kind of major super team that Tom Brady's helped assemble with this kind of work? Then the Bucs made it work. And so ultimately, when you look at this, you're very quickly seeing and understanding that the Bucs are just simply better this year because this team and this entire core has had a year to mesh around. And so for myself and my score prediction before I bounce it over to Sam and then Joe, I'm going to say the Bears are on the road here. There's just a lot at stake. Bucks fans are kind of appearing out of nowhere. When I say a lot at stake, it means that the Bears really can't afford to lose any more games to high-ranking, ex- expected to be high-ranking playoff teams. You're talking Green Bay, LA, and then possibly Tampa Bay that the Bears are 
probably going to lose against. Well, guess what? The Rams and Packers hold the tiebreaker over us so far, over the Bears, I should say. But I'm going to say Bucks 30, Bears 17. Bears keep it close, but not close enough because the defense gets the job done, but then the offense continues to struggle. Also, side note, this was the third time this season in six games that the Bears defense failed to force a turnover in week six against Green Bay. And so certainly this team is better when it forces multiple turnovers, hoping that they get one or two on Sunday afternoon against Tampa Bay, but you can't bet on it. And also two other reasons you should be watching this game is one, Justin Fields to get an early look at uh, potentially seeing future Bears head coach Byron Leftwich on the other sideline. Uh, my, uh, my score prediction is pretty similar to yours. Uh, you said I have it to be a little bit closer. I have Bucks 27, uh, Bears 17. I agree with a lot of your points. I, I do think ultimately the Bears defense will look good at first, but they can't, you know, can't stay perfect forever. And, and I do think, again, this is a much better defense the Bears are going against. Um, I, I definitely will be kind of looking to just see where Fields goes with a defense that is as capable as this one um, and, and what his progressions are. Um, again, I, I'm going into this game with very low expectations. And, and, and you know, I'm hoping I'm I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised. Um, kind of similar to what I did this past weekend with the Packers. Uh, even though by Saturday night, I had convinced myself that the Bears could potentially win that game. Um, but this is a much better Buccaneers team. I think they're better at all three phases of the ball. Um, I think the Bears can keep this game close. I definitely think this is a game that the Bears could win in theory, but everything does kind of have to go their way. And being Bears fan, you know that that's never always the case. Um, so Buccaneers 27, Bears 17. Yeah, it seems like we're all kind of on the same page in terms of it's going to be like, kind of close on the scoreboard, but it's going to feel like we lost by 40 points. Uh, mine was 27-14. Buccaneers beat the Bears. I think that, again, I think that the Bears are going to start with a bend, not break sort of defense, let up a few field goals and a touchdown to start the game. And the Bears will be kicking eight field goals because by the time they finally score their second touchdown, they will be down by enough points that they can only score touchdowns and make a dent into their uh, deficit. So I think it'll be basically for the most of the game 20-7. to and then the Bears kind of have to score a touchdown in garbage time and then try and score one quick. And then, yeah, it's just the usual Bears thing, basically what we saw this past weekend against the Packers, too. Again, it, it like I said, it's the perfect storm. They got they got a big physical running back in Leonard Fournette, and that's going to give the Bears trouble. On top of that unbelievable wide receiver core against the Bears' suspect secondary. And their defense is good against the run and not good against the pass. So it's just, again, that – counters us perfectly as I see no shot of us winning barring a Justin Fields breakout game which would be really really nice I would uh, see him throw more than one touchdown yeah it's but Matt Nagy is our head coach so I don't I don't know that that can happen yeah your expectations People's expectations, even with Justin Fields right now for the Bears, are way too high. That's why I have absolutely zero expectations, and wins and losses absolutely don't even phase me anymore. Because when you're working in media and journalism, especially when you're covering a sports team, you're not even allowed to be a fan anymore, which is why I'll just go unfiltered and rip on the Bears on Twitter. And then people sometimes unfollow me for being a negative Nancy, even though I'm 110% correct. And then they're in my Instagram DMs apologizing that they unfollowed me, and I don't even read the messages. Yes, that's an actual thing that happened. But anyways, guys, it's 
9 10 here almost central time on tuesday night we're gonna get out of this thing listen make sure you're following myself sam and joe on twitter at shy sports sam at joseph Herf nfl and at usaid culture check out fireside bears on twitter youtube facebook tiktok and instagram at fireside bears check out our parent company empire sports media bear down be happy justin fields and khalil mack are on your roster hoping robert quinn stays healthy hoping the bears get damian williams back too and possibly david montgomery a week closer to returning along with larry and Jermaine Ifedi, but that's going to do it from us. Stay safe, ladies and gentlemen, and bear down, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bear down. Bear down.